Welcome to Dispatch in Depth, where we give you the stories behind the science of emergency dispatch. This is an official podcast of the International Academies of Emergency Dispatch, the world's leading authority in dispatch science. I'm your host, Becca Barris, writer and copy editor for the Journal of Emergency Dispatch. In each episode, we'll be bringing you stories of the fascinating people who work in this area. We'll give you their backstory, including how they got there, what they're working on, and what drew them to the field. These are people who represent the cutting edge in emergency dispatch, and I hope you'll join us to hear more about them. Welcome to Dispatch in Depth. Today, we're going to be talking about sudden cardiac arrest, a topic many of you are familiar with. However, today we're going to address it from the caller's perspective. To help with that, we have Jennifer Chapp on the line. Jen's husband, Rick, went into sudden cardiac arrest at home in 2012, and when Buddy, their cat, alerted her, she dialed 911 and performed dispatch-assisted CPR, which led to Rick making a full recovery. Inspired by this experience, Jen has become passionate about improving public awareness and understanding of sudden cardiac arrest, CPR, and AEDs to encourage bystander action. Welcome, Jen. Hi, how are you? Ah, I'm so excited to have you here. <laughs> Thanks for agreeing to be on the podcast. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you. So, Jen, let's talk a little bit more about the experience that led you to becoming involved in sudden cardiac arrest awareness. Talk me through it. What was your day like before Rick collapsed? Oh, my goodness. I think I had just posted on Facebook what a beautiful day it was. And in the end, it turned out to be a beautiful day because he survived. But we worked from home and I was in my home office and it was, you know, early in the morning. Rick was in another part of the house getting coffee and I was on a phone call with the clients and we were heavy into a conversation and our cat Buddy was in the office with me with the door closed and suddenly Buddy started going nuts. He started jumping on me and meowing and scratching at me trying to get my attention and Fortunately, he did. So I, I picked him up and took him out of the room. And that's when I found Rick collapsed on the floor, gasping for air. He was unresponsive. His eyes were open. They were glazed open. And I thought he was having a seizure. So I immediately hung up on my clients and they, they later forgave me. <laughs> and I dialed 911 and I just... I can't tell you when somebody answered the phone and it was Kevin Seeley from Orlando Fire Department Communication Center. It was like opening a door to another universe because I was alone with Rick and I thought it was a seizure. I called it in as a seizure, but literally as I was giving Kevin information, Rick took his last agonal breath in my arms and I didn't realize it at the time, but he was in sudden cardiac arrest. So Kevin and I immediately became a team that day. I mean, I didn't know Kevin. I'd never met Kevin. But in that instant, we became a team. And I just can't, I, I just cannot tell you how much it means to have a dispatcher on the other end of the line. He was, he was the only thing between life and death. We were partners. He was coach. He was confidant. He was diagnostician. He told me what to do. But what happened was, you know, Rick started turning blue. And when he took that last agonal breath, I said, I, I think I need to do CPR. And he, Kevin immediately told me what to do. And so 
Rick was kind of crumpled, <laughs> crumpled, leaning up against the counter. And so I somehow had some, I guess, superhuman strength. And I pulled all 225 pounds of him out onto the floor as, as far as I could. And I'll never forget, Kevin said, okay, you need to be ready to do 600 compressions. And I thought I was going to have a second cardiac <laughs> But I was really glad he did that because it prepared me for what was to come. And the other thing that was really important is that he told me, you know, where to press, how deep to press, and how fast to press. So I kind of am a news geek. <laughs> and I had seen a news story about, you know, CPR to the beat of staying alive. And so... It was a little surreal having my husband dead at my feet and that BG song in my head, but it, it did help because it allowed me to kind of think I was doing it at least somewhat right. <laughs> so that's kind of how it started. And then it was just press, press, press and for, I don't know, eight to 10 minutes until the cavalry came, <laughs> the other part of EMS, and they were amazing and it all worked out beautifully. So I didn't realize that you had initially called it in as a seizure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that is, that's just amazing that Kevin was able to say, okay, I don't think that's what's happening here. I think this is sudden cardiac arrest. Let's do CPR. Exactly. And the other thing is, is that we're good friends with Kevin and all the crew now, but the crew said that when they were dispatched, that they didn't realize CPRs in progress or anything like that until kind of they got here and I would have never known it because they came in and they just took over and did everything and I did exactly what Kevin told me to do exactly and honestly if he had told me to cut my right leg off I would have and, you know I think that's important for dispatchers to know that we want to save our loved ones and most of us anyway I think will do what they tell us to do so I am forever grateful Kevin was the first first responder it's just such a great story. So while we're kind of talking about the caller perspective of emergency dispatch and all the things that go along with that, before this experience with Buddy and Rick, how many times had you called 911 in your life? And like, how often did you think about the role of emergency dispatchers in your everyday experience? Well, I guess I had called it a few times for, you know, medical reasons. And I, I knew... I'd always kind of been taught that you should tell your where you are first, and I knew that part. But I'd never really called it with this kind of a dire situation before, and it wasn't until this happened that I really had a completely new appreciation for what dispatchers do and the toll that it must take on them to have people's lives in their hands, but through somebody else's hands, not their own. They can't see what's going on. They only can depend on what the caller tells them or what they hear or any clues that that may emerge in the conversation. It's unbelievable what they do. It is. It really, really is. I'm going to pivot for just a second. Let's talk about your current profession. You are a co-founder of a company called Strativerve. Can you talk to us about what Strativerve is and what you do? Sure. Strativerve is a strategic marketing research and consulting practice, and we're based here in Florida. We founded it in, gosh, 1999. And 
prior to that, I worked in the theme park and travel industry categories, cutting my teeth in the theme park category in marketing and strategic planning and consumer insights. So it's interesting what I do had extreme relevance to what happened to Rick because I've since been able to apply, you know, there's some 30 decades of experience in marketing and consumer insights to build strategies around making people's behavior change. And I've been able to help apply it to this cause, working in partnership and through Sudden Cardiac Arrest Foundation, as well as other organizations in the space. So what are some of the applications of strategic marketing to CPR awareness? Well, what happened to me is when my husband was put in therapeutic hypothermia for four days. And so as I sat by his bedside, you know, waiting to really understand whether or not my Rick was in there, I just had a lot of time to think about how could I have not known this could happen to a seemingly healthy 56-year-old? I mean, I knew what sort of what cardiac arrest was, but I just never thought that it would just happen out of the blue, like it did for Rick. I mean, he was literally cutting trees down in our yard the day before, and then suddenly he's, you know, dead on the floor. So I was befuddled, honestly, and I thought, I wonder how many other people out there are like me, and they don't really know that this can happen. And I vowed, regardless of what happened to Rick, that I was going to find that out and try to do something about it to make sure more people were aware and understood SCA, CPR, and AEDs, and that they took action so that when EMS rolls up on the scene, somebody is doing CPR. So you have performed two studies regarding CPR awareness. Mm -hmm. What are some of the findings that have resulted from your research? Well, we started out in 2015, and again, I approach it from the consumer or the man in the street angle, the public angle, because that's the world I work in and consumer insights. So I wanted to really do a deep dive, both quantitatively and qualitatively to, you know, a national sample of folks 18 plus. So we did that. And then our first study in 2015, we really wanted to establish a baseline understanding of what the awareness level is, what people knew, what they didn't know whether they'd had CPR, all of those kinds of things. And we did it in a kind of a unique way in that rather than just do checkbox questions, we wanted to start it out with open-ended questions. And just we asked them, considering your own health or the health of your loved ones, please list three health conditions or diseases you're most concerned about. And we gave them three blanks. So it was completely open-ended. And so essentially in the first study, we had over a thousand respondents. So we had 3000 blanks that they filled and not one answer said cardiac arrest or sudden cardiac arrest or anything to do with cardiac arrest. There were a lot of comments about diabetes or cancer or heart disease or cholesterol or things like that. But what it told us was it just isn't really on the consumer radar. And so then we went down a little further and we started asking more aided questions. And we found that people just really don't have an understanding of what a sudden cardiac arrest is. And more importantly, that it can happen to anyone and that you need to act quickly. So we 
have a whole series of questions and our findings indicated that we really needed to help the public connect the dots to understand what to do. We also have some really interesting qualitative interviews that we did that we overlaid. And in the show notes, you might be able to see some of the qualitative survey clips that to me are the most illuminating because you can see just how the general public just doesn't know what they don't know. And we need to fix that. So that was the first study. And then in 2017, we wanted to build upon that. And we felt that we needed to really understand what messages would resonate with the public to make them either learn CPR, know they need to know CPR, or what to do and how to act. What would motivate them to action, essentially? So we tested about 11 statements. And the one that rose to the top really touched on the rational side of the brain, and that is the impact that immediate CPR can have on survival rates. And it really ranked first. And that statement is, you can double or triple a person's chance of survival from sudden cardiac arrest by immediately giving CPR. So that's number one. And then the other one that was right behind it and really resonated on the emotional side is the statement, you may save the life of someone you love by giving CPR, as most sudden cardiac arrests happen at home. So the other thing that we did with that research is that we worked to create a lay-friendly definition of sudden cardiac arrest. And we looked at all of the definitions that would pop up on, on Google and some of them are quite honestly are very confusing. So we wanted to put it in an eighth grade level terms. We wanted them to know what it is, how it presents, who it affects, and what you should do to help somebody in sudden cardiac arrest. We have that definition that will be in the show notes as well. Now, what's interesting about this and the thing that really you know makes my heart smile is that we ask people their likelihood to take action pre-exposure to that definition. Yeah. And the people that said they were very likely to act, which is the highest point they could pick, 38% said that they would give CPR and 26% said they would apply an AED. Later in the study, we exposed them to the definition and then we asked the question again and that jumped 26%. So it went from 38% to giving CPR to 48% would give CPR. And applying the AED jumped 10 points. So we then took that information and we worked with our friends at CARES, Cardiac Arrest Registry to Enhance Survival, using their data. And they helped us put some numbers around this of what it might mean if we did a better job in the space at helping people not just be aware, but also understand and know what to do. What we learned is that conservatively, we could save 14% more lives annually. And that's thousands of families that may not lose a loved one. So to me, that really validates that we can make a change. We just need to work really hard and speak in one voice. I hadn't thought about the idea that awareness, public awareness of sudden cardiac arrest and understanding are two different things, right? Because when you hear about public awareness, it's normally things like, well, smoking kills or don't do this, don't do that. But 
you're right. The understanding needs to be married with that in order for it to make sense in just a regular person's mind. Yes. As a matter of fact, where we found this category, the public was in a state of confusion, right? They didn't really know what it was. They got it confused with a heart attack, which is a whole nother issue. (laughs) So what we wanted to try to do is figure out how do you take someone from a state of confusion to awareness, to understanding, to belief and the confidence that they could do it to take action. So you kind of have to, again, connect those dots to take them through that whole chain. It's truly another chain in survival, but it's the pre-chain of survival, as I like to call it. I really like that. And like you said, it's 14% more lives that could be saved. And like you said, that's so many families affected. It's not just the person who survives because they had bystander CPR or an AED. It's the whole family. It's the whole community that's affected. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so with all of these research findings in hand, Sudden Cardiac Arrest Foundation, Parent Heart Watch, and Buddy CPR, which is our organization and Strativerve combined, we developed what we call Call Push Shock. Now, Call Push Shock is a national collaborative movement with a mission to motivate bystander CPR AED action to increase sudden cardiac arrest survival. And the way it works is it's a movement. So different organizations can participate in this and they have access to a combination of free assets from the definition to different social media assets that they can use to videos or people can pay a small fee and they can have these branded to their entity. And it's just a way for us to all speak in one voice through clear, consistent messaging that really drives that public understanding and ultimately intervention. We believe that together, if we can all do this all in this space, that we really can empower others to save lives. And what a worthy goal, right? It is. Who doesn't want to save a life, right? Right, exactly. And importantly, we now have over 50 participants in Call Push Shock. And we'll also put that link in the show notes. Awesome. Thank you so much. So what are a few ways that you've spread the word about your experience and raised the awareness and then the understanding of sudden cardiac arrest? Has it mostly been with Sudden Cardiac Arrest Foundation? So, yes, we started working with Sudden Cardiac Arrest Foundation early on. That was really where we learned a lot. And I am so grateful to Mary Newman, who is the founder and president of Sudden Cardiac Arrest Foundation. So we've really been working together ever since. But we also work with a lot of other organizations as well, from Parent Heart Watch to CARES to Citizen CPR Foundation to Sudden Cardiac Arrest Association to our local fire department. And others, and for us, it's it's very, we want to pay forward Rick's gift of life. We have new knowledge. We have new life. We want to pay it forward. We love this work. And we started relatively early. We first went to say thank you to every link in Rick's chain of survival. This didn't happen until about... I don't know, three to six months after, but 
we went to the fire station and the dispatch center first, and that was amazing. And, you know, we had never really been in a fire station before. So I baked a bunch of goodies and just, you know, kind of expected to just go in and shake some hands. But when we walked in, they were all in their dress whites. There were all kinds of fire chiefs there. And it was just such a healing experience, I think, for both of us. I learned that you guys don't get a lot of thank yous sometimes. For us, that was really important. And then we went to the dispatch center and we got behind the closed doors and we were able to thank Kevin personally and all of the dispatchers with more goodies and whatnot. So that was great. And then about three months later, we did the same thing with the hospital and we kind of did this reunion tour and went to every place that Rick was in the hospital. Part of that was really to help Rick's healing. So he kind of knew what went on and it definitely helped me because I had a lot of healing to do as well. I do suffer from PTSD, but I'm working through it and giving back is a huge part of my healing. Right. The other way that we spread the word is through Buddy CPR, which is our own organization. It was co-founded by Rick and myself. And Buddy was the name of our cat. And we believe that Buddy CPR means that you really need to learn CPR with a buddy. And because most sun cardiac arrests happen at home, that's even more important. So through Buddy CPR, we have become BLS instructors and we volunteer teach CPR with the Orlando Fire Department as well as doing hands-only CPR trainings on our own. We haven't really done that many during the pandemic, but we're looking forward to that chapter closing. (laughs) We're looking forward to doing that again in 2021. The other thing that we do is we participate in a number of conferences that some bring survivors together. So we have a whole network of survivor and family member friends really around the world that we all share something in common. And it's very, very helpful. And again, healing. At one of the conferences, we took a production crew with us and we videoed a bunch of survivors and experts in the space. And we put together a, I guess you would call it a PSA video that really talks about sudden cardiac arrest, hearing it from a survivor's perspective, multiple survivor perspectives. And we think that it helps make it real for others. And when we share our story at CPR trainings, we do make it real. And it really does make people sit up and and listen. <laughs> yeah. And start thinking about what if this happened to me? What sort of tools do I need to have, you know, a favorable outcome rather than the alternative. Right. So wrapping up, because I've had just a delightful time talking with you today. So have I. It's been great. (laughs) Uh, Jen, what's one thing that you'd like dispatchers to take away from this episode? They matter. (laughs) Dispatchers are the true first first responder and they matter. And what you say and do means the world to the person on the other end of the phone. And when it comes to sudden cardiac arrest, 
I just want dispatchers to know, don't be afraid to get hands on the chest quickly. Just don't be afraid because once that happens, we know that there's a much better chance of survival. And my last, but fair not least, is thank you to all the dispatchers out there for what you do every day to help save lives. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much for being with us here today, Jen. As we've mentioned a couple of times in the episode, the show notes, there's just a plethora of goodness there. So make sure you click on that. Check those out. We will have links to the research papers that Jen helped with and the PSAs. And as always, if you have any questions or comments or ideas for episodes, go ahead and email us at dispatchindepth at emergencydispatch.org. And Jen, thank you so much for being here. And we hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you so, so much. It was my pleasure. Thanks for listening to Dispatch in Depth. Remember, it really helps if you rate and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dispatch in Depth is hosted by me, Becca Barris. I'm also the technical director and producer, and Matthew Maiko is the executive producer. 